This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. All right, what's up, everybody? We are going to get into the Word here. This is really part two of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because last week we I had Mother's Day and all that, and that was um, an amazing time we had online as well as in person. And so we're continuing today on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and today we're going to talk about the evidence, the evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so there's one particular evidence we hear a lot about, or it's taught that this is the, they call it the initial physical evidence, which is tongues. And that is evidence in the scripture when somebody's baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, that's not the only evidence, and that isn't necessarily the immediate evidence all the time, or at least it's not recorded in the scripture that way. Okay, so I don't want to take away from tongues at all, um, and we're going to go into deeper even next week the benefits and the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit with reference to particular evidences, like why is this so important? And what are the benefits of speaking in tongues? What are the benefits of praying in tongues? Or the scripture uses the same language uh, with speaking in tongues or praying in tongues is praying in the Spirit, capital S. So praying in the Holy Spirit. So it, it correlates that all. And there's benefits outlined in the scripture as to what the benefits of that is. But today we're just gonna really just talk about scripturally the evidence or maybe not so much just the evidence, but just um, the result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like what does the scripture say happens as a result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And yes, tongues is one of them. And we're gonna see that. Um, but there are others as well, okay? And, and this just isn't, now we're not talking about like the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life or the evidence of Christ in your life. We're speaking specifically of the event of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that is different. As we talked last week, if you missed last week, please listen to it, go watch it, listen to it. Because we talk about how the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a subsequent experience to salvation, a subsequent encounter, okay? And and, and we're gonna see that even today because we're gonna look at some of the same scriptures, but we're looking at them from the perspective of evidence, not so much that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is is a unique experience to salvation, okay? So here we go, we talk about evidence, okay? And and, and even those that are um, baptized in the Holy Spirit and kind of this has been your, your whole Christian life or you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and taught this for years, I really believe even today it's gonna kind of open up your eyes a little bit to the evidence or fruit or result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is broader than I think sometimes, and that's the world I come from, come from a Pentecostal, spirit-filled, charismatic, whatever you want to call those type of, that that culture of church. That's the world I come from, okay? So um, a lot of what we heard growing up was tongues, you know? So, and, and so yes and amen, but I think we got to look a little, little further, a little broader um, than just that with reference to the baptism in the Holy Spirit, okay? And so, just generally speaking, looking from a macro level, I was about to dive into this. Let me pray first. So Father, we thank you, Lord, today for your word. And we pray your blessing, your grace, your favor, uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, uh, God, with reference to this sermon series. I pray for revelation. 
to, to be received. And I pray that as a result of preaching and teaching this, that people that have yet to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I pray that they will be. And those that already have been, I pray they get filled again. I pray that this word, your word, God, has those kinds of signs and wonders as a result. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And God's, all God's people said, amen. All right, so here we go. So I'm gonna give you kind of a, a, a macro look at this, uh, a broader look, and just say this, like from the scripture, okay? We, we can see that spiritual gifts are activated in a person's life once they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we're gonna see specifically what, what in Acts, but um, you, you see, you, we see this, or, or it's either a literal thing we see in Acts and the narratives we're going to read in the various regions and cities that this happened. But also we see um, reference and inference to spiritual activity as well. Okay. So like, um, you know, the, 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 here's some of the things, right, that are associated with the event of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you see this power. Power is associated with it without question. Okay. That's why we Sometimes people use the language, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I understand the Spirit of God, right? He is defined by the prophet Isaiah. He's the Spirit of might. And, and, and in Ephesus, Paul wrote saying that we would be strengthened, or in Colossians as well, there's an inference here of the Holy Spirit and power. So, so Paul said, you know, in one of his letters, it's either Colossians or Ephesians, I forget exactly, because they both have prayers and they, they both have some of the same language. But that we would be um, that we would be filled right with the Holy Spirit. He was praying that that we would be strengthened with might by His Spirit in our inner man. Okay. But when we speak of the event of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, power is associated with it, and we'll see this: tongues, as I already said, also visions and dreams. Why? Joel, uh, the prophet Joel or Joel, prophesied of the day of Pentecost, which was quoted in Acts, saying in reference to this happening. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, your, your old men shall dream dreams, young men shall see visions. Okay, and so prophecy is another one that is specifically noted that when some people got baptized in the Holy Spirit, they began to prophesy. Okay, so it's safe to say that spiritual gifts are associated or activated, released in some way. Like this, we see this. This is very common. There. So here's the point. Once somebody's baptized with the Holy Spirit, there is evidence. There are results. There is something we see. It's like we recognize that person has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so to, 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 to kind of encapsulate this, I would say, you know, spiritual activity happens. And I'm talking Holy Spirit activity, right? Not, not just spiritual, but spiritual meaning godly. Something divine happens. Something manifests. There's something seen by those that witness somebody being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there are there are there's signs, there's wonders, there's there's there is some sort of um, manifestation, release, evidence, whatever you want to call it, as a result of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So now, this is what we're going to do. We're going to look, okay, at different actual moments in Acts where people were filled with the Holy Spirit, and there was a Evidence, a result, something was seen, something was done, 
And um, so here we go. So my points today are kind of interesting because this is very much a teaching on this, okay? So my, my, my points aren't so much um, like, uh, uh, like points like apply to life per se. They're just points to reiterate where we see in the book of Acts the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and the evidence that occurred. Okay, so here we go. Here's my first point. Here's my first point. So here we go. The first occurrence we see is here, um, and it's here it is on the day of Pentecost. Okay, on the day of Pentecost, and the evidence was tongues. Okay, in, in this in this literal situation, in the the first time people were truly baptized in the Holy Spirit, we see the evidence being tongues. Okay, so let's read this quickly. Um, but Acts chapter two, verse one to four. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Who? Disciples, followers of Christ. Verse two, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Um, The New American Standard Version, um, the NAS, that that one actually reads a violent um, rushing wind. Okay, as of a violent rushing wind. Okay, and so it says, and and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse three, and then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. It wasn't fire. It says as of fire, okay? And sat upon each of them, meaning Holy Spirit came and individually people were touched by the power and the fire, if you will, as of, of the Holy Spirit, okay? In verse four, here, this is the evidence. This is the result. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened? And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, that is Holy Spirit, gave them utterance. Let me read it one more time. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. One more time. Acts chapter two, verse four. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So once again, on the day of Pentecost, tongues. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, now, now let's let's just kind of clarify here because sometimes we get some misconstrued views of this or or something. And and um, but the Holy Spirit didn't take control of their mouths, right? It wasn't like they were literally out of total control. Because the scripture says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and, and began to speak. They spoke, okay, they spoke. Just like um, God doesn't take control of me and I start to pray, right? God doesn't take total control of me. It's like, no, no, I'm actually willfully praying. So these people, man, they gather, Holy Spirit comes and they yielded to it rather, okay? And, and it says they spoke with tongues. And, and how, like, what were the words? What was, what was it that they were speaking? It was as the Spirit gave them utterance or as the Spirit enabled them to speak. So they were speaking, but what they were speaking was tongues. And those tongues were given by the Holy Spirit, it's divine, okay? And so, and so here's another thing too, and th- this is part of evidence. This is just, this is just 
um, some good theology, okay? And so I'm not complimenting myself. I'm just saying because I, I didn't come up with this myself. Okay, so, uh, but what I mean by this is good theology, I'm about to say it. And so this is where where we see, you know, just good Bible interpretation is this. Like, after this point, based on what happened on Pentecost, the only evidence we see following this from this point is tongues. So, so why am I saying that? Because um, we don't see a rushing mighty wind the other times people feel the Holy Spirit. We don't see described like as a fire. You know, and I understand there's principle there, the fire of the Holy Spirit, we can sense the fire of the Holy Spirit. But the point is this, when we, when we speak, when, when, we, when we interpret the scripture, there's times where things just happen and it's kind of like a one-off in a sense. So it's like, man, I, for instance, like nobody should ever expect, well, I didn't feel a wind, so I guess I'm not filled, right? Or I didn't see fire sitting on people's heads, so I guess it wasn't the Holy Spirit. No, that, that was a moment, that was a sovereign divine moment. There, I believe there's principle there because God, the Spirit of God is associated with wind as of fire, he's a, he is not fire, he's not wind, he's associated with that. So I understand that that doesn't mean that we can't experience something like that because they did. But what I'm saying is that is not an actual ongoing evidence from a biblical perspective that that must happen to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But tongues is evidence beyond this point. Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay. And, you know, you shall receive power is what Jesus said. So, and, and, and you notice after Peter was filled, he stood up and he preached boldly. So something happened to Peter specifically that there was a boldness, okay? So tongues is evidence on the day of Pentecost. All right, let's go to another one. Let's go to another one um, at Samaria. So this is in Samaria. I'm going to read this. Um, and so, uh, verse 14 to verse 19. So at Samaria, the evidence we see, the, 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 the result of this moment, specifically in the scripture, is power. Power. Power was released, manifested, and seen by people. They said, wow, baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's power. So we don't know the details, right? But we know that it was power, okay? And Jesus promised, and you shall receive power after that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so Jesus said it, and here it is, we see it. We see this in the scripture that believers getting filled with the Holy Spirit stepped into, experienced power that they had not before. All right, so Acts 8 verse 14, uh, let's go. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, somebody say they got saved. They sent Peter and John to them. Verse 15, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? They received the word already. But now, let's pray that they receive the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Verse 16, for as yet he had fallen on none of them. They received the word saved as a result of receiving the word. But 
The Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit had not yet happened. Okay? They had only, only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17. So Peter and John are like, let's lay hands on them, right? Verse 17, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. I said this last week, Peter and John were not the source of the Holy Spirit. They are not the source of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit, but one way he does it is through people, through the laying on of hands, okay? It's not from them, but through them, okay? Look at the person next to you, tell them, not, not from me, but through me, okay? Verse 18, and when Simon saw, somebody say Simon saw, he saw it. Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money, saying, give me this power. So Simon saw power. He saw power. Don't know exactly what it was, man. Um, maybe we'll find out in heaven one day. But the point is this, power was manifest. Power. I'm telling you, every Christian needs the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every Christian, it's essential. The early church would not have been so intentional. The early church leaders would not have been so intentional saying, have you received the Holy Spirit? Oh, you haven't received them? Let's pray. Let's lay hands. Oh, you're baptized? Awesome. Let's lay hands receive the Holy Spirit. You're saved. You're a follower of Jesus. You receive the word. You're a Christian. You're, you're a Christ follower. Praise the Lord. You're part of the church, the body of Christ. Awesome. Let's pray. Next step, lay hands. Lord, baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill them with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. 19 again, verse 19, saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And so we all know we can't buy it. We can't earn it. And he got rebuked for that because he just didn't understand, didn't know and just, he wasn't all there, okay? He needed some deliverance, okay? So so those that, think about this, those that have been legitimately filled with the Holy Spirit have experienced the power of God, okay? You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. In some way or another, you have experienced the power of God, okay? Subsequent to salvation, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened, power, okay? And so look it, when you've experienced God's power, you're gonna want others to experience it as well. So Peter and John, they know, they were, in the, they were, they were there, on the day of Pentecost. It's like, man, let's pray for them that they receive as well. And they did. Give me this power. That's what he wanted. All right? So once again, um, on the day of Pentecost, what was the evidence? What was the result? What, what, was, what was seen or heard even? Tongues. Um, in Samaria, what was literally seen? Power. Okay? As a result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to the next one. Here, this is at Saul's conversion. And once again, power is seen. Okay, we'll see power. And, 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 and tongues too, but not immediately. We'll, we'll, I'll explain that. But at Saul's conversion, there was power. There was power. We'll see it. Check it out. Acts chapter 9, verse 17 to verse 18. Acts 9, verse 17 to 18. This is after Paul's conversion. Um, and then Ananias comes to him. And Ananias was not an apostle. He was a disciple. Okay, so verse 17, and Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and arose and was baptized. So there's power. He laid hands on him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and there was power. The man got healed, scales fell down and he got his sight back. The power of God was manifest. The power of God was manifest when Ananias laid hands on Saul. 
and he called him Brother Saul, right? So Jesus, think about this. It says this. It says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road to, um, to come, has sent me. So think about this. Anybody out there love Jesus? Jesus himself, okay, um, sent Ananias to get the Apostle Paul, future Apostle Paul, he's called him Saul at this point, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, we talked about this last week. Jesus wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So he wanted to fill Paul so much that he sent Ananias there. Before we get this, before we get this man started on his ministry, man, you need to lay hands on him and pray that, that, that he be filled with the Holy Spirit. And power was manifest. He's healed. And the Bible says you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So he laid hands. The man was healed. He got a sight back and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Saul's conversion was power was manifest. Now, in this particular verse, in this account of Paul being filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, power of God manifest, laying on of hands by a disciple, not an apostle. I mean, this, this is covering a lot here, okay? It's covering a lot. But one thing we don't see here, we don't see it here, is there was no prophecy or tongues. So Acts chapter nine does not directly record the evidence of tongues or, or prophecy or anything like that. But it did happen. It did happen for Paul. It sure did. I mean, we see in Corinthians how he's talking about tongues and how we're how, how the benefits and all that. We're going to really dive into Corinthians next week because we're going to talk about the benefits of it and the importance of it. But I want to just pull one verse, actually two verses in particular, out of Corinthians. And we're this is kind of a kind of a preface to next week, okay? But we see that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit through laying on of hands and healed. Power of God was manifest. But we, we don't seem speaking in tongue right there. But check this out. Let's look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18 and 19. And it reads, this is him kind of bringing correction to this church. Okay, we're going to go into this next week. And I'm excited about it, as you can tell. But here we go. Verse 18. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Okay? Now, um, there we go. The man spoke in tongues. Now, this is the beauty of, I think, maybe in a sense through God's divine wisdom. <laughs> God's divine wisdom, of course, he's divine. It's kind of redundant. But through God's wisdom and just the way... Um, these books were written, I, I personally like the fact that we don't see it recorded in Acts uh, 9, that he spoke in tongues, but we do see it in Corinthians. And, so, and like, why do I like that? Because we just don't know when it happened, but we know it did. So it is possible that it did, it just wasn't recorded, right? Because it's recorded other places. And you know, Luke's writing this thing, and he's like, man, I've already said that couple times and I'm about to say it again later on, right? So who knows? But I, the reason I like it is because we see that, you know, and I've seen this for some people that it does not happen right then and there. I mean, you know, um, and they just continue to seek the Lord and who knows? I mean, Paul was a pretty intelligent guy, pretty, 
you know, very intelligent, actually, um, in, in kind of his religious upbringing and everything. So I don't know. Maybe he was processing all of this. I, I, we don't know. I'm not going to try to fill in the blanks. But the point is that he did eventually, at some point, that evidence was a part of his life to such a degree that he told this church that was speaking in tongues a lot. And he's like, look, man, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all y'all, right? But y'all need to, you know, get some order about yourself when you're gathering together. It's getting a little weird, right? In a sense. Now I'm paraphrasing, but the context of Corinthians is it was, things were out of order. Things were off. It was, and he was bringing correction parameters, stuff like that. But he wasn't throwing tongues out. He was actually saying, no, I, I speak in tongues more than all you guys, you know, but, you know, we got to bring some order to what y'all what y'all are doing. All right, so there we go. So once again, guys, let's go back. Okay, I'm teaching today, okay? But on the day of Pentecost, evidence was tongues. In Samaria, evidence was power. At Saul's conversion, power. And eventually, evidence was tongues. Eventually, in some way, we see it. We see, he talked about it, he taught on it, and he mentioned he himself. Okay, all right, hallelujah. Okay, so let's go to the next one. We're going to go to Cornelius' house, okay? We are going to check out Cornelius here. This is a really cool um, a part of, of this, okay? Um, so at the house of Cornelius, two things happened. Uh, it was tongues and worship. Tongues and praise. That, that immediately happened, okay? That, that, that this was the result. This is kind of what we see happening when these people were filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? They were baptized in the Holy Ghost. Tongues and worship came out, flowed, all right? So Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 46, let's look at this. Um, and so I'm not gonna read the whole story. Peter gets a vision, Cornelius, God speaks to him. They connect, Peter comes over um, Cornelius' house, starts to preach to them. And here we are, Acts 10, 44. Um, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. I'm gonna read verse 44 again. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. One more time, look at this. Acts 10, 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, verse 44, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Evidence, tongues, evidence, worship, praise. All right? So the Holy Spirit filled them without somebody laying hands on them. So we could safely say that these people in this situation 
were baptized in the Holy Spirit as a result of hearing the preached word of God. Isn't that beautiful? While he's speaking, something happens. And I think about this. Think about if this happened in our church. I'm up there preaching the word and teaching whatever, small group, whatever, a connect group, hope group, whatever we call them, I don't know, hope group. And, you know, because this is like a small gathering. It's not, you know, because the early church didn't really gather in large numbers. But here we go. You got, you got an apostle up in the house, small group setting. Um, and here we go. He's preaching. They start to speak in tongues and magnify God. And everybody's like, whoa, God's moving on those guys too. How many of us, we'd be like, oh, that's out of order. Oh, there's something wrong with that. Can't be speaking in tongues and praising God. Now, I understand that that can be done and it can be out of order, right? Like if somebody just doesn't know or their, their motive is wrong or they are disrupting or the spirit, some kind of whatever that isn't of God is like trying to disrupt. And I get, I get that. But in the context of this narrative it's while he's speaking that's what happened that's what happened and it was divine and of god and they were praising god as a result okay so it fell and so that word fell it, it means when the holy spirit fell i'm going to give you the definition the greek definition of this word because it says he fell so what does that mean um this is literally what it means in the greek okay this word this word fell holy spirit fell it means to embrace with affection it means to seize, okay? It's a strong word. It actually means to take possession of, to take possession of, to inhabit, to almost like invade. It actually, it can be associated with being kind of aggressive, almost violent. Now, I'm not, I know you use that word violent and people start getting pictures in their head, right? But not, not violent, hurtful, but just power. I mean, think about even in the book of Acts, depending on the version you read, Acts chapter two, day of Pentecost, mighty, mighty rushing wind. And in that Greek language, I think in some of that interpretation, it could be violent, it could be very, you know, strong, mighty power, power of God moving. So same in the situation, fell, he fell. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, is a divine thing. It's a God thing, it's a holy thing, and it will cause us to worship God. Maybe even in a new way, in a, in a more, in, in, you know, just a more, more free way, an open like, you know, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, now worship, praise, magnifying God is a, a result of that. It can, it can very well just be what, what we do once we're filled, just like these guys in Ananias' um, house. Hallelujah. Okay? So, so let's jump over to Acts 11 quickly so we can see how Peter had to engage a little bit with the leaders in Jerusalem, because this was a big deal for the Jewish believers, because they're like, whoa, like the Holy Spirit is falling on and baptizing Gentiles now. Like, this is a big deal. This is monumental. This is a big shift, a big change. So, so just go forward, just one chapter, and let's look at Acts chapter 11, verse 1 to 3, okay? So just turn forward a little bit, just, you know, or whatever you got, your phone, your app, or whatever. Uh, but Acts 11, um, verse 1 to 3. Let's look at that. 
Acts 11, verse 1 to 3. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard, this is speaking of Cornelius, they heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. When Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him. Okay, they had an issue. Like, what's going on? Saying, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them? Like, you, you went into an uncircumcised man's house, a Gentile's house, and ate with them? Okay, this is against the Jewish um, tradition. Okay? So, Peter starts to explain. Okay? So, let's go down to verse 15. Okay, I just want to jump to the point of him really explaining the, the kind of the meat of this. So Acts eleven fifteen. Let's read to verse eighteen. Here we go. And as he began to speak, he's explaining what happened. That we just read it, but he's explaining it to these leaders now. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, embraced them, possessed them, if you will. I know that word possession is a strong word too, but that's the definition to fall. To embrace affectionately, to possess, to, to um, kind of take hold of, right? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Verse 16, then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, speaking of Jesus, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? Verse 18, when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Okay, so you find that Peter's watching this happen. Like Peter wasn't like, hey, I'm going to go preach to Cornelius. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to break down the gospel. They're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Like this was not in the plan. There's no, like he, he literally watched God do this. Okay. And so his only reference is the day of Pentecost. Like when he mentions how he fell on us at the beginning, he's like, man, Hey guys, you weren't there at Cornelius' house, but remember what happened in the upper room? Well, it happened. The same thing happened for these guys. And I was just preaching. I didn't lay hands on them. The Holy Spirit, Jesus baptized them in the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so, and then also this other thing too is like he remembered the words of Jesus. All right? And so um, I just want to kind of, just touch on this just for a moment, but divine encounters, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, I love this account because this is a supernatural thing that just happened, right? Like this wasn't in the program, right? This wasn't part of the agenda, but God moved outside of whatever his plan was, Peter to going there. He was told to go there by God. Think about the everything God did to even get him there so they could be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. Beautiful. God's in this, okay? God's in this. God is orchestrating this in the early church, the baptism of the Holy Spirit for people. And so here's here's kind of my thought, my point with the, all this, is that divine encounters should always bring us back to the Scripture, should never steer us from Scripture. So Paul, so, no, sorry, Peter witnesses 
this divine moment, these Gentiles getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, all right, they begin to speak in tongues and worship God. And when he sees this happening, he remembers the words of Jesus. He remembers his own encounter in, at Pentecost. And so divine encounters should always bring us back to the scripture. Divine encounters should never disagree with the word of God. They should always come in like, like meaning this. Check this out. Here it is. The baptism of the Holy Spirit will always bring glory to Jesus. And that happened in this moment. And so even in and through this, right? In and through this whole thing, right? Um, you know, saying it fell upon them. And then he goes, man, John and he baptized. And he remembers what Jesus said. So once again, in the, as a result of him remembering the words of Jesus, in this whole thing, Peter is differentiating between water baptism and Holy Spirit baptism. Okay? And here's the thing too, as we see, as we go into this. And I got one more, and I'm going to do this one quickly. I got one more account, okay? But as we see this, as I'm going through Acts, I'm going chronologically through Acts. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, were a common practice and manifestation in the early church. It, it's, it's woven in it. It's woven. Okay, it is woven in the early church. This wasn't something like, oh, that's too much. That's too spiritual. That's a little out. Like, no, this was divine of Jesus, validated by Jesus. And even if we look from a local church leadership, they affirmed it. They had issue at first, not because it was the power of God. It was because of the whole Gentile Jewish thing, right? But they affirmed it. And they, they're like, hey, this is God. Let's, let's, let's go with, they called this literally. This is a work of God, okay? So who are we 2,000 years later to say this isn't of God anymore? Who are we to, 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 to cut this? No, cut this out of scripture. No, we don't do that. The God desires to fill us with the Holy Spirit for the, for, for the very reasons we're reading about today. So here we go, one more account. So at Ephesus, now, at Ephesus, the, the result, the evidence was two things. It was tongues and it was prophecy. Tongues and prophecy. Let me read this and we're going to close with this with these verses. Acts 19, 1 to 7. Shared these verses last week or the, two weeks ago, but I want to share them again from a different perspective, okay? But here we go. Acts 19, 1 to 7. Let me read quickly. I'm going to read all these quickly, touch on it a little bit, and we're going to pray. Here we go. Acts 19, 1 to 7. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, finding some disciples. Who did he find? Disciples. Were they unbelievers? No. Were they backslidden? No. Were they walking with Jesus? Yes. Were they part of the church? Yes. Were they disciples? Yes. Verse two, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Verse three, and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, okay, Awesome. John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. Okay. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Okay, hallelujah. Verse six, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. So you got 12 men baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues and prophesying. It wasn't out of order. It wasn't weird. It wasn't demonic. This was a work of God and the power of God is moving. They get filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues and prophesy. So Paul laid hands on these 12 men and they were all speaking with tongues and prophesying. And this was not an environment of disorder. Okay. Um, does that mean that um, every environment where gifts of the Spirit are just flying all over the place and people speak in tongues everywhere? Does that mean that every environment that practices the gifts is is in order? No, I can't say that. But I think sometimes in our effort to be like a, a house of order, a, a church that kind of has order, I think if we're not careful, we got, we got we to gotta be willing to allow God to move too. I'm not, you know, because we see in here like nobody was concerned or weirded out. It's like the power of God's moving. I think this is the point. Here's my point here. It's not an official point. Just coming to my spirit right now. We have to learn to respond to the power of God, not, not like shut it down. We, and, and yes, we do need to correct things if things are not of God. It's like a wrong spirit. But this is, that, this is the point. We have to be discerning enough spiritually to kind of know, no, this is God's presence. No, this is the power of God. No, there is fruit here. No, this is God moving. And no, it does not line up with with humanistic driven controlled thing this is this is out of our control right but but it's not disorder right this is this is god is moving here and, and then to be able to know mature enough to know by the spirit okay this you know this does need to be corrected or this is a little off here let's correct it but let's not throw out the move of the holy spirit in the name of order can i get an amen somebody all right and so here it is the evidence this is what it is these are the evidences let me pray Father, I thank you today for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I pray you fill us all. Fill those that have never been filled. Fill those that have been filled. Fill them again. And Lord, I pray that the gifts of the Spirit will operate in our life. I pray those evidences that we see plainly in your word, God, that we would truly walk in and experience your presence. I thank you, Lord, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't even about the evidences Lord, it's about you. And when we get you and you baptize us in your spirit, there will be evidence. There will be fruit. There will be the manifestation of your power and your grace. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.